Walking Through Glass, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dean C. Brown, founder of the Lead Her Shift movement, international best-selling author, speaker, and executive coach, affectionately known to my clients as the catalyst because I make shift happen. My purpose in life is to inspire, empower, and transform lives. I wake each morning with the mission to help you lead with confidence, speak with influence, and connect strategically by getting out of your own head so you can lead. And by lead, I mean learn, experience, apply, and develop. Walking Through Glass, the podcast, is not about breaking through the glass ceiling. It is about the struggle we face on our journey walking through the glass, the fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, the limited beliefs, the negative self-talk, and all that other BS, you know, those belief systems that get in the way of us living the life that we dream and desire. It's time to make the shift to clarity, confidence, and consistency. And today, having a conscious conversation with me is Miss Sarah. And I I was going to take a stab at her last name, but I thought, ooh, that probably should have been me asking to really get the pronunciation because names are so important. But let me tell you a little bit of the juicy deets about Sarah. Sarah, I guess, guys, the only thing I can really say is really just like a badass. And what she really gets to do and what she specializes in, is which I love, is cultivating anti-average leadership with professionals and organizations who want to make epic impact and who view average as an insult. So not just like, I don't want to be average, but uh, really that's an insult. And she works with creating and maximizing sustainable business systems with adventurous entrepreneurs and best in class organizations by deepening communication and relationship building mastery. But guess what? This is the coolest part. This is the coolest part. This is based on The whole core of this is that it's based on real horses, including her first horse, Buck, who taught her volumes about leadership, never saying a word as they navigated teenage life together in the late 80s. So without further ado, people, let me introduce Miss Sarah to you. Hi, Sarah. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited um, to have you. I mean, like I said, all you got to do is really just start reading and looking at 
the bio. I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to know her. And those of you listening, you're going to be like, okay, I want to know her. (laughs) But more importantly, you're going to want to learn from her. And so today during our conscious conversation, we are going to talk about, actually, I think there's no way then to kick it off than talking about what's anti-average. What is that? What is that? Mm, uh, that's such a good question. Thank you for just opening it right there. Because that I, think, <laughs> yeah, right? I think it's recognizing that we are all born to do more than just, you know, that thing that is comfortable, that thing that is just status quo. Rather, we're here to totally step up and be the awesome person we were born to be with our strengths, our values, our talents, those things. Like every single one of us was born with this unique mix of awesome. And like we're supposed to use it. It's not just to be sitting on the couch or to be collecting my comfortable 401k. Like in these times, I don't know about 401ks, but you know, it's not just about. You know, be an av. It's about I want to be the best that I could possibly be, and I do it to be in service to others. Yes. Oh, that is so 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 good. And as you were um, speaking, I got all kinds of like ding ding dings and um, bells ringing, all going yes, girl, yes. What I find so powerful and so interesting is that you use the intuitive model of the horse especially Buck, in your work and setting the tone. How did that happen? Man, I think that it's just one of those things that was supposed to be be like my message, right? Like I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't horse crazy. Like I, like from the day one, my mom and my dad were like, where did you come from? Because they did not, they didn't live in the horse world at all, but it was just this thing that I couldn't get enough of. And so um, it was just this, pull. And I started noticing when I was around horses that it just felt really good. And I think that that's like a really big clue, right? We're given these signs in our lives about what feels good and what doesn't. And it's our job to like kind of detect that. And horses just felt awesome. And when I was around them, um, there was just this like magic that unfolded. And then when I learned that like my business world and horses could connect, it was over. (laughs) It was just over. That is amazing. I have a couple of people in my network and they actually do um, horse um, therapy. And so they, people who have experienced traumatic events, et cetera. And so they, um, they actually use horses in that regard. And also to just for, for such a soothing and a calming, I hadn't seen it put together with the leadership piece, which is why I kept saying, wow, this is like, this is epic. Especially when you really think about that journey. Now you said we're all horse crazy and I might date myself for the record. I'm 29 plus tax and gratuity. However, growing up with my little pony. <laughs> uh, have you seen on Netflix, by the way, they have this fabulous show, like it's about toys, the story of toys, and they've got all of the old school look backs. And so they've got like He-Man and G.I. Joe and all these cool things. But the best one is My Little Pony. And it talks about how they came to be. Oh, my gosh. And my little 80s heart was exploding with love. Yes. Oh gosh, okay. I am totally having to go see that because and watch that because I was sitting there thinking about the power of 
you know, the media and storytelling and how we grow and how we process and how we connect, which really ties into what does it mean even now to what I call walking through the glass? Because I get that question of what does that mean? What does that, how did you get that? But I decided as of, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago that I'm going to ask not so much what I see as to meaning that when I have a guest with me and ask them, when you hear that term, walking through glass, as it relates to us as women, what does that mean to you? What visual comes to mind when you think of that term? And so I said, I'm kind of curious of what they think before I tell them what I was thinking. I want to know. So for you, like when you saw it's walking through glass, the podcast, what is that? What did that mean? What did you think about? You know, the visual that I see in my head is that we are, we have a choice every day, right? To stand up and move forward and to do that anti-average stuff, right? Or we mm-hmm. cannot. And when we do, we're taking these bold steps forward and we've got all of the people behind us that came before us, mm-hmm. our ancestors, our families, our communities, and they're all there to be in support. But at the end of the day, like you have to put your nose to the wind and you have to be willing to, you know, step out and have your flesh you know, cut open, right? Because if I'm walking on glass, like it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to feel really comfortable, but I'm going to do it because I know that I can and I must and that I've got all of this stuff that is here to support me. And so I just see the millions of women um, that have come before us and that that need us to continue and to be that next bold person that's going to, you know, not make their efforts be in vain. What do you think about that? Honey, I love that. I love that. And I love it so much because the way that you roll it out and it's in alignment and people say, well, what, what is it? It's exactly that because that's what you see and visualize. And that's the key to the leadership movement is shifting the way we learn, experience, apply, and develop by really owning our own truth and thoughts and response or reactions thereof. And so that's why I love how you even just laid that piece out. And when, how I got to walking through glass was that very um, image is that I work with a lot of you know, high performance, you know, women and men, but women are the ones and, and not only work with them, but also have relationship with them. And I would see them, you know, be a badass in the boardroom. They're running things in the company. They're, you know, revered in the community. And they're calling me because they're broken by what happened. So they're putting on that that face in front of And they're literally having collapsible moments after. And I said, well, they talk about breaking through the glass ceiling and let me help you get the corner office, get to the C-suite, get that position, get that partnership. But who's dealing with what happens to us as women once we get there? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most beautiful parts of the horses, quite honestly, is because they have such that beautiful dynamic between the softness and the strength. Right. Mm. And you gotta have, you know, that that strength and that power and that ability to be the driver. Yet the thing that we bring as women to the table also is that ability to create that big huge heart space. 
right? To be like, even just think of like what a horse feels like. Their noses are super soft, right? Their fur, their mane is super soft. Like we, those, that, that contrast, right? That calm versus chaos, right? Women and horses, I think, embody that in a really cool way that we've got to have all of that. And we also have to use our freaking herd, right? And that's what there's, there's never a lone horse. That horse that's alone in its stall or doesn't have the ability to connect with other horses never thrives, right? And those bands of horses, um, they, uh, they thrive in community, right? There's power in that community. They um, can they can really be strong and, you know, uh, push off the dangerous things that are coming together. And the leader of those bands, which I find to be so freaking awesome, isn't generally the stud, the stallion, right? The the guy who's ridden the seed, right? It's the, this is the lead mare. And the, there's always a lead mare who runs the show that's always got her eyes open looking for that predator coming. And that when the herd needs to move into action, she's like, all right, y'all, let's go. And she pins her ears back and she's not doing it because she's a bitch or that she's, you know, trying to say, hey, everybody, I'm the leader. Look at me. She's doing about she's doing it because she wants everybody to be safe. And that's how she serves. And she's like, guys, let's go. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I just, I love, love, love horses and women. And I'm saying two things have occurred right now. Like one, I want to go ride. Yes. (laughs) Come to Colorado. We'll come to Colorado as soon as we can travel. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I, I, the beauty of what you were describing and the imagery that you so, I mean, epically described was that. What I see the glean again, I've loved horses since I was a child too, not to the point, you know, where I was like, right, whatever else, because that wasn't necessarily in my space. We had access to and we would see them, but it wasn't like you would have a horse. But I do remember that my girlfriend had one and we used to go ride her pony sometimes. And then um, as I got older, I moved around and being a city dweller, you didn't really see. Um horses in that capacity <laughs> to be able to, you know, right. go ride, et cetera. But when I'm looking at the sheen of the coat and I'm looking at the beautifully defined muscles underneath, just below the surface. And when you were describing that dichotomy of softness and strength, I just literally would see the beauty. And what actually came to mind is a beautiful black mare, mm. a beautiful shiny coat. And I could just see the ripple of, like I said, the muscles and the posture, the standing, the regalness of the head, but the love and the doughiness of the eyes. Oh, that soft, beautiful, warm eye. Yes. Yes. And I was just like, wow, I will never look at (laughs) that. I love metaphors. I love similes. I love imagery and putting that stuff together. And I will tell you, that is probably the most dynamic and powerful descriptions of women in leadership Mm -hmm. that I have heard. And I speak a lot about change and transformation. And I speak a lot about the beauty and the strength in the role and the evolution from the caterpillar to the butterfly. But now to even see if I had to take and just talk about the pure power and the strength, there is, I mean, wow. I mean, just wow. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now when we talk about how to 
help women because obviously in your role as the chief trailblazer of epic conversations. (laughs) I love that. That is so amazing. Yeah, right. Let's not just have those plastic conversations. Let's go deep, baby. (laughs) I know. I love it. Love it. Love it. And, and being a mom and, and having to set that pace and get that heard and build that tribe and that sense of community would you say it's been more of a challenge or it's been something that just kind of came naturally given the environment and your mindset? Man, I think that it's it's some from column A and some from column B. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's nature and nurture in everything that we do. And um, I think that in these times, like we grow things as women, right? We're going to grow and we're going to connect and we're going to be about the heart. And so I'm really trying to go naturally to those strengths and where my, my husband and my partner, like he wants to really be logical most of the time. Right. And, and really (laughs) have a linear uh, and secure kind of space. And so I just have to really remember that we all have those roles that we have to fill and mm-hmm. I don't have to be the expert in everything. And so where's my, where, where are the things that I thrive? What's my lane? And where are the things where he thrives? And where can I let the kids come in and be a part of it? And that's been, I think, one of the most um, teaching things for me is just wow. watching and letting my kids lead in this time that's a little bit whack. Like this morning we got up and we made a schedule. And so we're on our a couple of weeks now at home. And so we looked at last week's schedule and decided what we liked. And then I said, Hey, what do you want it to look like? And the insights that they had and the things that they wanted to make sure that they had time for, or the way that we flowed together was just super cool. And so my kids are just like, they're leading better than, man, I would have ever given them credit. Wow. And you are so Right. Number one, you're so amazing. So I'm so glad that because <laughs> there's so much, there's so much of what you say and how you lead that resonates with me. And that is something, even in the model and the question I had proposed, that is not always easy to find. You may find a tribe, but you might not be able to have um, individuals where you can still lo- um, learn and grow from. Often, if you have a very um, dominant personality or you have a leadership essence, you're thrust into the leader, but rather um, find very few opportunities to be the learner in that group (laughs) because everyone's looking (laughs) for you to lead it all the time. You're like, no, can I just be here and absorb, please, (laughs) Uh, to do that? But um, as a foreman, and I don't mention this in my intro, um, but I've been an educator over 25 years and I was a school principal for nearly 10 years. And and equipping especially children and our youth to lead and involve them in the decision-making process is huge and powerful to set them up for success. I and think so. Absolutely. So, that's what I love about what you were saying is to say, okay, what about this? And as again, that's not the way I grew up, <laughs> but <I> yeah, feel- <laughs> like, good luck with this and like, just figure it out. <laughs> Yes, figure it out, and you're going to do what I say. Yeah, right. 
you know what I do and this is it and don't ask me questions and don't, you know, and one of the first things when I got in the classroom and even when I'm working with teams and I'm working uh, with other leaders and I say, good leaders ask great questions. Is questions that- are the most powerful thing, right? The questions, oh, like if we're looking for big solutions right now, that's the number one thing because the questions always help us solve the problems. And so I, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that's what I love about that. And, and the other piece of what you were sharing, I was having a conversation recently with what I call one of my buried dead body friends. And that's a whole <laughs> Yes. Oh, you got to have a couple of those. <laughs> She was like, I don't know her. And she'd be in the, on the lie detector test and coming up positive. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> and so we were having the conversation about our feelings. And, and like I said, when we're walking through the glass, we can do the jobs as women. That's never a question of, can I do that job? I mean, there's some imposter syndrome once I'm in it, but there's nothing more powerful than a woman with a made up mind. And so we know that we can technically and skillfully execute that job. Okay. But it's the difficulty of when we're there that we have, we feel like we have to do it on our own. Or if we share with someone that we don't have all the answers that we stop asking questions. And so I was sharing with her and said, you know, I was having, um, I'm a woman of faith. And I said, in my prayer meditation time, I was talking about, the I have the I am unstoppable conference is coming up October 10th in San Diego. Definitely will keep everybody informed about that. And I was sharing where that concept came from. And the theme of this year's conference is to call Dare to Dream. And when I when that first got hit with the concept, immediately, well, how are you gonna do this? Who's gonna help you? No one's ever been there. I mean, like, and I call her Heffa, that other voice. <laughs> <laughs> And it started going on. And so when I was praying about it and God said, listen, listen, Linda, Linda, listen, I said, this is for you to do. I never said you're to do it alone. And when I say you are fully equipped to execute anything and everything and every dream I've bedded inside of you, that means equipped, meaning I didn't say you had to do it, but I guarantee you that you are equipped with the people and the resources around you Mm. to get done. So what, how are you using those that I have brought to you to serve with you? How's it go? That just gave me goosebumps. That totally just gave me goosebumps because (laughs) that's the thing. Like we're here to be in community with Mm -hmm. one another, right? We're here to serve one another. And that's right. Like we have to lean into each other. I, I, um, do all sorts of interesting speaking, right? And I often share four things to be anti-average. And the fourth thing is that we have to borrow. We have to borrow daily. And that means that we have to borrow ideas. We have to borrow energy. We have to borrow, um, you know, the gumption, the courage. Sometimes we have to borrow physical things, right? The other day, um, I needed to borrow something from my neighbor because, right, I didn't have it in my pantry. (laughs) Those simple (laughs) things. Like sometimes I got to borrow like my big girl panties, like pulling them up like that gumption to do it, right? And so I got to go and like listen to my favorite song. But like, if we could just get into that idea of borrowing isn't bad, right? Because I don't know about you, but when I was raised, I had to borrow stuff because we didn't have it. And so it felt shameful to borrow. And I was like, I never wanted to do it. And funny, my my maiden name is Borrowway. 
and people <laughs> like these silly little kids because they're super nice. You know, they would always make fun of me. They'd be like, do you borrow things and then move away? And so I like hated it even worse. Right. Because I'm like, God dang it. I hate this. So I, I just thought there was all this shame. And when you need to borrow money, like all of those types of things, it can have this weight. And so I'm so glad that you recognize and that you help us to remember that we're supposed to do this with other people. And again, the horses teach us that and you know, that yes. we, we need to, we gotta, we gotta do it. And you're, and you're right. Kind of growing up and, and it's really about the tape. I do a lot of, um, manure linguistic practitioner and I, um, psychotherapy and analysis is my jam. It's not, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but done extensive um, research and work in the space um, because I wanted to know how the brain works and I need to know how my brain works. And I tell people everything that I've learned about being a great leader, I learned from being Xavier's mom mm-hmm. and compassion, um, patience, unconditional love, forgiveness. <laughs> There's nothing that'll teach you forgiveness like your children. Oh my um, God. <laughs> your dog is like, Are you, do you forgive me, mama? I'm like, oh my God, baby. <laughs> oh, at any time. <laughs> you broke my million dollar face. Okay. I got to love you anyway. You know, so yeah. I carried that over, but also really helping me get clear about who I am and how I'm called to serve so that when I step out, my audio and video matches because I am the tone of my, I don't want to be, you know, my, my mom did the best that she could with what she had. I mean, growing up, we just grew up in a different time, you know, like that show with the different toys, things were just different. And so we've evolved. And so I knew though, that I wanted relationship with my child in order to get the results that I wanted to see. And him, meaning for him to be a thinker, for him to have a voice, for him to feel empowered, for him to be able to be resilient and have and, and be able to figure things out. Mm. And so that oh, me- I just got goosebumps again. You can feel that <laughs> you feel for your baby, right? And you know that. And if we could take that kind of love and compassion and apply that to all the other things that are happening in our life, like that 10x is things, right? But I think right. I want to. I want to just come back to how important it is for parents to give our kids the ability to talk about their emotions. And Mm -hmm. even last night we were getting ready for bed and we start e-learning this week in our school systems. And my daughter at first was super excited about it as she was talking about it. And now that it's here, she said that she was so worried. And my immediate mom was, I want to go in and fix it and tell her it's going to be okay. And again, we're going to have a schedule and I'm going to be here to help her and blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> the only thing that she needed for mom, like mom at that moment was to say, man, honey, it sounds like you have a little bit of anxiety. And it sounds like you're worried. It sounds like you're not sure how it's going to go. It sounds like, you know, whatever that thing is that you're hearing, we just need to hold that space and let them know we hear them and that we don't have to fix it immediately. Like we'll do that in the future. But by in that moment, could we just slow down enough to be like, damn, I hear I hear how you are, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my son and we were having a conversation and I I battle in between 
the the still mom and the leader mom and the wolf right. mom. <laughs> and the, the moment, mom moment thing at my house. <laughs> right. And the mom that knows her children, because sometimes you have to be a student enough to know when to push, when to listen, when to react, when to respond. And when um when I was again a school principal and a, a practicing school administrator, um, I'd have my staff come in or teachers come in and I'd say, okay, what do you need from me? Do you need me to listen? Do you need me to react? Do you need me to actually um, do something? Yeah. Do you need to respond? What do you want? What do you, before we start this conversation, because I need to know what hat is going to work best for you. Um, because it's, you're not probably coming for me to solve it. You might just want it to vent. And so I just need to let it go in an ear and out the other ear, you know, to that point. And I used to always add the piece, though, if I find there here's something that's I'm concerned about you hurting yourself or others, you know, I'm probably going to have to say something. But right. other than that, do you just need me to listen, react, you know, or, or just respond to you or advise? No, I said advise. Do you need me to advise? Do you need me to act or do you need me to listen? And so, um, and and that is what I started to do at home and started to work with my son to say, I need you to communicate, especially being a product of divorced parents, you know, and that was very, it was traumatic for me. So I can imagine it was traumatic for him, but yet he says, like, no, I'm good. I said, well, you don't have to be good. And if any time you're not, just let me know. We can, you, you can talk to someone, but I didn't want to give him neuroses that he didn't have either. Exactly. I he's miserable and he's upset and he's whatever, whatever, whatever. But neurolinguistically speaking, I know that he's triggered by certain things. I can see the triggers, but yet he hasn't figured out how to process it yet. And that's okay. So I don't have to force him to deal with it <laughs> because so, so all of that in the parenting space is all part of what I would call is what we do when we're walking through the glass. Because when I'm now doing a 12-hour day at work and I'm questioning whether I'm a good mom because I missed, you know, Xavier's recital or I was late for the parent-teacher conference and now, you know, or he couldn't do a sleepover because we had to go do so. Those are those things that constantly hit us. And how do we how do we deal with that? And so now I doubt who I am. And so I've made it part of what I, well, not made it. I know that's what I'm called to do is to help them really shift the way that we think and show and how we show up in our different roles. Right. Well, the, the thing that I just heard that we need is to just have more courage to show up in those roles too. And one of the one of the things that I also heard is that you're super curious about what what is it that you need to be learning right now, and, and that um, the visual that you were talking about of the mare earlier, you know, the skin and the ripple. Like, I want to offer another visual because horses are one of the most curious animals ever, Ooh. right? And they've got two little ears on the top of their heads that are like little antennas. And their eyes are kind of offset on either side of their head so that they can see in a really big uh, parameter, right? Their peripheral vision is really fantastic. They don't see really well right in front of their face, but the, at the, the 360 view is pretty kind of cool, right? And so they've got this going on and their ears are always flicking 
forward, sideways, back, forth, trying to sense what's happening. And so they're always saying, man, is there a cougar that's out there to get me? Or is this awesome? Is there some sweet clover over there that smells delicious that I need to be eating on right now or what? Right. So they're always sensing, 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 wondering, am I safe or am I not safe? Right. And then here's the deal. When they use that curiosity all the time, then it breeds courage, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know, yeah, I'm safe. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can step forward or no, I'm not. I need to retreat. I need to protect, right? And so that curiosity is the breeder of courage. I love, oh my gosh. No, I got chills. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I just... Wow. And I, and I say I got chills because I actually used an example, um, equine example, when I was talking to a group of women about focus and what they do when they want, when you put the blinders on the horse's eyes mm-hmm. to keep them focus and laser focus on what's just ahead and to, and so right now I got a whole bunch of like, oh my God, my brain's like running a thousand miles to kind of take that in so many different directions. But when we are trying to focus on the the one thing, we still need to take, like you said, that courage that we've now built up to know that we're still good. So even though we can't see all those things around us, which might be distracting us because in our human form, <laughs> right. is that that blinder. And so that's an example, like I said, that I used, but here's the, here's the, the paradigm shift is that I didn't have an understanding or the breakdown of the way you just shared about how horses use their eyes and their curiosity and their ears to really begin to manifest a courageous spirit. Mm. And so now I actually can go in multiple directions with that, uh, with that example, but it still holds true. If you see the horse, quote unquote, the tamed horse, so to speak, <laughs> the blinders on their eyes, so they're not looking around. Right. How many blinders have we put on our eyes? Have we put on, not because we needed to focus, but just because we were afraid? Oh, the fear factor, the fear versus the faith, right? What are those fear right. blinders? Oh, dang. Huge. <laughs> I know. Like, I was like, okay, like, oh my gosh. Like, how did, how did we get to, 35 minutes practically. We just started. Okay. Like, Sarah, you're going to have to like, absolutely come back. <laughs> I'm going to that down. This is so, I mean, like I can do like a whole hour <laughs> plus <laughs> on that. You're going to have time to do it, sister. There's so much time. There's so much time. I know, but I'm sitting there going, if I didn't already have uh, the left, like I'm going, why? I should have known that I shouldn't have booked an appointment after this and when I used to record in all honesty I would say oh, okay certain people I'd talk to them ahead of time and I'd say okay I'm not booking nothing after you <laughs> and and one person I think my longest recorded one from season one was Salima Garami who's tech and a whole bunch she's just all kinds of awesome um and I think it was like two and a half we were talking for almost three hours oh, wow. and like, oh, Dina, I knew her schedule was wicked crazy. She goes, oh, I, I put the kids to bed. I grabbed a glass of wine and we talked all night and practically. And it was just on so many levels and so many life stories and things like that. And 
when I I came back and said, my goodness, these are great. And in season one, we had these long ones, but I thought, how powerful and how do I look at how we digest information is to keep them wanting more. Amen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. And I said, you know, because there is so much goodness and richness in our stories, there's so many opportunities for us to share and there's power, um, especially in those untold stories, is that I wanted to give these nice 30-minute chunks to simmer on because in the next story, as I, even though everybody's different, they build on each other and there's connectivity. And the beauty is, guess what? They can always come back. <laughs> yes. Your own show, right? <laughs> they can always come back. So I know, I know, I know we've kind of gone a little bit over time, but it was so timely that we definitely needed to do that. But I do want, number one, please tell people how they can find, what's the best way to reach out and find you and to learn more about how not to be anti, how to be anti-average. And um, and then I want you to share, like, what's that one final takeaway for this show? She's coming back, y'all, just FYI, you guys. Is that, <laughs> share that one <laughs> takeaway to leave with our listeners. Hmm. Well, you can definitely find me on social media. I love social media. So I don't care if it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, I'm all those places. And my name is Sarah J. Bonencamp. And it's a long name, but I'm sure you'll see it in the notes. And so yeah, just come and connect with me online. I love hanging out there. And if I had something to end with, I think that it's just the remembering the F words right now and the choices that we have. And those F words are the faith or the fear. And mm-hmm. that we can choose to lean into either one of them. And that we will probably have moments where we're going to be bouncing around. And that's just normal. I'd like to think of like the full moon is a really good teacher uh, or excuse me, the, the moon cycles rather, because, you know, we're not always going to be fully expressed, right? Things shift and things change, but we hopefully are going to be more on the side of faith than we are on the fear. And it's our job to help each other. Um, Even though we're isolated um, in many respects, you know, we have such great tools and people like you that are holding great space for conversations that matter. And so find those places where it feels good and that you're drawn and yeah, have faith that things are going to be amazing. I believe that all breakthroughs require break withs. That's something that I learned from Stephen Covey um, way back, you know, when I started the seven habits of highly effective people, but I totally believe it, but you got to have faith right? It's not always fun, like the walking on glass part, but man, this is what it's going to take and it's going to be okay. And we are here together. So that's what I would end with. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. It is. So, like I said, this has been such like a rich, and I love when you said, you know, having, holding the space for conversations that matter. And I call those conscious conversations. These are the conversations as women that finding that safe space to have them will actually help elevate you mentally, physically, emotionally. And what I call for those of you that are moms and momdom as well, is that we need to really debunk that concept of superwoman. And even Superwoman was, and Wonder Woman was part of the Justice League. (laughs) 
Oh, exactly. We've got all those superheroes at our disposal. No, right? Get that team. <laughs> yes, they were. And I want to thank every single listener out there for joining us today on Walking Through Glass. And just, I mean, there's so many, I mean, I'm still kind of, there's, there's so much still rolling around in my head, but know this is know that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation. So get really clear about what you really want, which will lead to you being confident about who you're called to be and allow you to stay consistent on how you are called to serve. And that's how you can walk through the glass together because you do have to go through it, but you don't have to go through it alone. And so I appreciate you for listening. And if any aspect of this, which it should be a lot that resonates with you, please share, share, share with those that you love and join us next time for the next episode of Walking Through Glass. Bye-bye. Real talk.